Now I will invite you, if your eyes are closed, to open them gently. Just to see if we can actually be here practicing uh, meditation or fullness of presence with the eyes open. I really want you to do this. Open the eyes and just see if you can still feel the hands touching one another or the knees or thighs. Is it possible to feel the breath? to hear uh, the sounds. Or to become aware of the silence in this room. And maybe even if you want to, eyes open, you could release the posture as if the meditation was finished if you want to. Even by releasing the posture, trying to see if we can keep a certain presence, as if we could, you know, end the meditation, but also continue it at the same time. So keep something. I don't know if you can taste it. You know, when we're meditating, there's, there's something that is intentional. Eh? There's a wanting to be there an intention to feel, to, to experience. And so now as the, medi- the formal meditation is over, I'll even ring the bell. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can bring something in, like a quality of presence that is unusual, just a little extra. Often at the end of a sitting, we'll kind of abandon, I think, many of us abandon that intention to be particularly present. And just invite you to pay attention as if something really special was happening. And maybe there will be something <laughs> really special happening. It will be produced by the quality of our presence. Images that comes to mind for me are uh, images of a baby, maybe a baby waking up from a nap or something, and uh, being really present to, it might be very little, just hearing. You know, you can feel the quality of presence is full. There's just hearing, or I don't know, they might be feeling their hands, you know. But there's just like, complete investment, you know? Or if something is moving above their head, little teddy bearish things, you know? Or just the fan, you know, how they could suddenly like really be in the fullness of the experience of seeing. Do you see what I'm talking about? Like really they're they're preconceptual, they don't have words, huh? So they're pre- they can't be describing. Oh my god. Teddy bears, they're just like you know in our mind it would be like colors wow sacks pink sacks amazing wow what is that other color <laughs> you know and but there's no there's no word there's just like present they're like full of wow and then they'll see a face and they look at that face that face <laughs> Am I describing something you can recognize? So, in a way, we're we're returning to somewhat to that. We're trying to see if we can actually 
notice that we're hearing or seeing and not be blasé about it, you know? Be like, or just an in-breath. So interesting that this body is breathing. Look at that. So getting out of our stories about, you know, things we have to do and this and that, and really entering reality here like fully through the senses that's that's the way we practice it here now through the senses and in that what is possible in that well many things i think the experience of fullness the end of separation you know the end of uh, feeling fragmented I'm not who I want to be or where I want to be or I don't feel how I want to feel or who am I I haven't found myself you know I'd like to find a way to be with myself I don't know how you know and that might be like one of the doorways there to actually bring full awareness to I don't know the play of light the and just this to have a connection, fullness of connection. So in this practice of meditation, we're interested in what's presently arisen, what is actually active here and now. I'm not thinking about it, not analyzing it, but seeing if we can experiencing uh, experience it fully and what is presently arisen sometimes is lovely and sometimes is not so you might be like a day like this earlier I was walking like a few of us in the park and there's something about almost like time stopping especially if you're particularly aware time becomes you're outside of time you know we're not conceptual, I have to be there, I have to do this, I have to be efficient, I have to, you know, it's not like this, that kind of attention is uh, outside of time. And so if one meets something lovely, sometimes that's an experience that time stops, you know, there's just like particular movement in the trees, or that light, play, playing. And for a second, we're just fully there, and we're not in the, time frame, you know, like, oh, there's that many minutes, then the thought will come, you know, about time. So that's what we're practicing, is coming closer to reality in this way. And so we might have little pockets or waves or little passages of uh, connection where we don't feel separate, where actually in these moments we can't experience doubt. Who am I? Will I succeed? Am I worthy of something? You know, in the fullness of presence, that falls away. That's good. That feels really good. <laughs> but sometimes, when we are present in the way that we are in meditation, actually, sometimes it's not lovely. It's actually really difficult. Uh, even I've been practicing for twenty years, and very often. When there is silence in a room, sometimes I'll feel it as lovely, like, wow, we're sitting in silence, how touching is that? You know, that we all came to do nothing. I'm putting thoughts to it, but it's an experience of like... And I'm not sure I have to check it out, but I think half of the time it's actually not pleasant. It's actually a little, I wouldn't say strange, but it doesn't have the tonality of being pleasant. It's by association, maybe, it's related for me to taboo, silence, awkwardness, you know. In the retreat, uh, we, some of us were on retreat this weekend, well, since last Wednesday. And one of the retreatants was describing to me how hard it was for her to be in the hall with everybody else. Maybe she was describing only to me or maybe to me and others. I can't remember. But 
definitely she was reporting that it was extremely challenging to be with then it was maybe 36 people in a room and she was saying this is so incredibly oppressive for me and in the same sitting or in the same minute somebody else would say like wow I love being here because we support each other you know the perceptions are altered depending on history depending on hormonal movements maybe at that time (laughs) there's so many conditions that make the experience but the point I was about to make is that in meditation we actually don't look for pleasant we don't coach us come on the other one thinks it's lovely why do you come on it's lovely get it you know (laughs) so there's not it's not coercive like this not at all we are called or invited in this practice to actually notice that experience so if it's awkward silence then can I actually allow awkwardness to be there and in that practice this freedom is developed because I don't need to be in comfort I can actually allow awkwardness to be there and be felt and I think that's been a lot of my practice it's actually being in because I'm always in silence with people, you know. Ah, awkward. Can that be allowed, that experience of awkwardness, you know? Before, I would want to avoid it, make a joke. Uh, I probably still do here and there. But, you know, cover, uh, all kinds of ways, become numb, you know. And now I'm like, wow, that's... Experience sometimes is like this, is a little heavy, or gloomy is a word I used earlier today. And sometimes it's actually light. And can that be allowed to take these different forms at different times in our lives? You know? And this is partly the practice of freedom, to be able to be, maybe a way to describe it is okay, in the middle of that strange field. And sometimes it really feels like me, like I'm, okay, I've gone or we've gone or the perception definitely is that now it's the underworld. You know, it's the world of the dead. It's the world of the cyclop. It's the world of the unknown. You know, it's the shadow side. Making it, but no, it feels like I'm sitting there and it's a lovely day, beautiful light. I'm like, wow, it's not exactly, you know, it's not exactly pleasant in this heart, you know. Sometimes it's circumstantial, something has happened, you know. Sometimes it's it's not clear what brought this. And in this practice, that's the development of uh, courage and stability, balance, equanimity, uh, compassion. Can that be allowed? And similarly, as I was describing earlier, sometimes it's light, sometimes it's touching, sometimes it's uh, us together, or me alone in silence. You know, it's a different feel completely. And in the practice, the practice is radical in this way. It's not interested in pleasant or unpleasant or preferences. It's interested in reality as it has arisen now, as it's being experienced now. I find it amazing that there's even, somebody came up with that idea that you could not look for pleasant or, you know, that you could actually be curious about how life is experienced now here. You know, not like, no, you're fine, it's fine, we're all good, good, we're all one, you know. Actually, no, it doesn't taste like we're all one. (laughs) It tastes like I'm completely isolated. Or suddenly, oh, it does taste like we're all one, you know. This is how life is manifesting right now. Can that be felt? that be okay? Like, there's a kind of fearlessness in that. Even in the presence of fear. I could be like, fear feels like this. Can that be allowed? You know? I hope I'm not... Uh, I hope it's okay that I talk about this like that. Because I think that voyage, whatever one it is, the lovely one, the lovely flight... You know, levitating, heart, you know, either light or spacious or or um, light or spacious or 
light in terms of like, yeah, floating or light in terms of like flooded with light, you know, is is definitely worth knowing fully, as is the visit to the underworld, you know. Can that be allowed? Can that be allowed? And we're not going alone, because these territory visited without the friends I'm going to name is terrifying, is traumatizing. So here we're going on this voyage with curiosity, with kindness, compassion, with uh, as much as possible stability of mind, with patience, with non-judgment, non-violence, non-expectation, non-coercion. That's really like traveling in good company. And so we can go and go allow the unknown to be to be experienced, not knowing what's coming, for example, if that's what's happening in our life or in one aspect of our lives. If there is a confusion to actually not knowing what to say or do or how to go about this or that, allowing that, maybe just what it needs for a new idea, the time needed for a new idea to pop in, you know. When usually we don't because we panic, we don't want to not know, we want to know now, you know. And now, with these qualities, we can allow the unknown to be experienced, confusion to be experienced, in compassion, in care, in uh, patience. This is a very, very powerful practice because we'll allow things to move in a certain direction, not even wanting it to move. That's how radical this practice is. Wow, this is like this right now. This is how it is. I was teaching a few, a month ago now, I think, for sure, maybe two, uh, with uh, Charles Genoux, and he, he was talking about this at some point, and he was saying... For many of us, there's this association of like quietness with uh, trauma or terror, or you know, when the mind describing stuff has stopped in our life in the past, it might have been when we were like, and so that might be one reason why we keep describing because the association also could be that if I stop describing, I'm going to go back to that. Uh, and what he was saying is, he was saying that. He was saying, I think that stopping describing, for example, will actually bring us there. But we want to go with these friends. These are my words now, you know, and actually clarify the field. And back then, when this or that happened, that we were like wordless, speechless, we didn't have allies. So here we're developing allies, really strong allies that we can be in different moods, in different states of mind, and, uh, and have a fullness. It's the same with if something ha- beautiful happens. I could easily, in my case, extremely easily, definitely in the past, become exuberant, you know, not touch the ground anymore, you know, <laughs> be high and c- claim and attach myself to this kind of joy that is completely disconnected at some point, you know, where there's no more reading of situations. You know. And now, I think I'm learning to travel in joy with a lot of care, so that I can still be able to consider what's happening in the room. You know, that Maybe it's not that joyful for everyone, or, and it's not suddenly a hindrance to my joy, or something I want to push or destroy. You know, It's like, there can be joy and lightness, and there can be the capacity to still notice what's happening. There's another thing that, um, very classic teaching now, there's another thing that uh, this quality of attention uh, will allow, that kind of baby-like presence. But we're not babies, we're not trying to return to this. We're not, we... We have the conceptual world. We, we, 
we know what is what, you know, we know our names, we know where we live, we, you know, we're not like <laughs> merged with the uh, environment, you know. We're not trying to reproduce that. We're not, that's not where we're going. We're, we're actually reclaiming a kind of presence that is possible, that's been, we've been severed from somehow by storytelling, by telling, by anticipating, uh, thinking of, uh, being obsessed with, you know. So, but we're, so we're, we're bringing that aspect of presence. And when there's that presence, sustained with in the intelligence that we have now, there's really wonderful things that can happen. Insight, that's the field of insight. I'll describe to you one thing that happened this weekend for me. Maybe, I think, maybe some something... I, I perceived it as being somewhat collective for a few of us on retreat. And... Uh, and so after a number of days of uh, sitting, doing that practice of just attending to now, you know, not trying to get anywhere, but just discovering what is this made of? Sometimes self-loathing, sometimes boredom, sometimes quietness, sometimes neutrality, sometimes joy, expensiveness, you know, and seeing if we could allow all these different experiences, comfort in the body, ease, dis-ease, discomfort, Okay, so can that be allowed? Can that be allowed? Can that be known? Can that be known? All occasions, opportunities to develop stability of mind, commitment, engagement with reality, you know, sensitivity, etc. And so Sunday, uh, towards the end of the morning, and I told people on the retreat, we looked a little bit, at some point I thought we looked like uh, little chickens. <laughs> like hens, because we were like we were. It's been, it had been days. It seemed like we were like sitting like this, like this. You know, everybody on the little, <laughs> just sitting. You just like. I don't know why I'm compelled to sit here. <laughs> what's what's going on? Something's going on. Nobody's told me what's going on. You know, but it feels like I should be here. <laughs> and then at some point, we would stand go walk a little bit, eat a little bit, and then come back and feel like, let me sit here, you know. And sometimes some things would crack open, you know. So, something I would notice, oh, there's been that kind of, I don't know, like heaviness, you know, that I, and suddenly I just, whoop, it just came into focus. Oh, I've been like this for a few days, or like kind of ready, you know. And the teacher is saying, this is listening, it happens in relaxation, you know, we're not going anywhere. And still, the body's like, you know, and after two or three days, at some point, it's like, oh, why was I like that, <laughs> you know? But it takes days to notice these things, you know? Like a person a few months ago describing, like, wow, I just discovered suddenly I was guarded, you know? I described this maybe here. And they were like, wow, it took me a long time to discover that I was a little on the defensive. It's a, it's a good discovery, because then you're not caught in that <coughs> completely. You can decide to put this down. And then. So back to Sunday, end of the morning. At some point, the hands are all outside walking. <laughs> so we're... I think, yeah, mostly people were walking. Maybe a couple of people were just standing. You could see that there was a, a lot of dedication to practice, you know, just paying attention, paying attention. And at some point, um, you started hearing. It was not the first time during the weekend, but for some reason this one was outstanding for me. started hearing uh, geese, goose, geese, flying by. And, uh, but this one, maybe they were lower, or it was a bigger, uh, how do you call a group of geese? A flock. <laughs> so there was a flock, and they were pretty low, lower maybe than others I'd heard or seen. We couldn't see them, but what I noticed that was beautiful is that people were walking, you know, paying attention to the steps, maybe, or hearing, and suddenly everybody noticed there was something special that was 
born in reality, you know, appearing. And first it was not visual, it was just uh, the sound, the growing sound of the... And it was quite lovely for me to hear, and I think for others. And I won't try to uh, bring the sound here with my human <laughs> voice, because... I'm going to do this uh, w- as a word for it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be faithful to <laughs> the beauty of nature. Um, but this sound started to arise and you you could feel, you know, like suddenly there was something, like something precious is happening and your body st- stopped moving, you know. Like, and some bodies went like this, you know, like as it, when we listen to something... And there was a little something in the head. And other bodies went like this. It was very beautiful, very beautiful, the movement, very graceful. There was this. And suddenly the flock did appear, and the sound became like vast, if you can just say that with sound, you know, full. And then, you know, the visual and the soundscape change, you know, like there was the disappearance of that you know and the body stayed like this or like that you know to actually there was a kind of dedication to be there for the whole experience not just like geese oh great I love geese you know (laughs) there was just this uh, yeah really great care and this thing appeared climaxed and disappeared visually and uh, in an a, a, a deterry way and there was just this and even maybe staying after the disappearance and then maybe later this morning I can't remember the thing but I think I talked about this I, I said this or maybe it was in a small group or to the whole group but uh, we have practiced many days to actually gather the mind so it's not scattered into oh my god you know this and that next week last week uh, I want to live here in the forest so beautiful I wish you know not this just like a presence sustained quiet engaged presence and in that when there's a when these qualities are gathered together and there's there's depth to it you know or duration or strength to it to the calm to the mindfulness to the Curiosity when they're brought together and they're really there. This is what we cultivate in this practice. Suddenly we can be deeply touched by the arising and passing nature of experience. Like in that lovely experience of the flock of geese flying by. Suddenly there's something that touches the heart Things appear and disappear. It's even wider than the fluck if you're very sensitive. We can't uh, will that. This is the outcome of practice. But when the heart is really open, really sensitive, very much resonating with life, then it notices like, wow, things appear and disappear. Things. We don't think about it. That's the... It's the heart that feels it, that resonates, vibrates in this way. Wow, everything will appear. This experience of life will appear and disappear. All the meetings that are dear to me will come together and fall apart. Natural. This thought, this consideration, without stability, care, quality of presence will lead straight to anxiety. Somebody at the conference was talking about TAG, uh, general anxiety disorder, or uh, it was in French, maybe, trouble anxieux généralisé. So there must be a... Uh, GED, general anxiety disorder. And so, and the, the way they described it, and that touched me in the conference, they said, uh, they said, so GAD um, is uh, ang- anxiety provoked by anything where there's uncertainty and unknown, you know? And I was like, oh my 
God, welcome to life. <laughs> you know, where we actually never know what's coming, you know. Wow. And I thought, oh, that's, so the GAD is the opposite of what we're doing. Like what we're doing, it, or it's the, there's some similar, there was something touching to me about the practice because I was like, oh, but we're going towards the unknown. We're actually becoming conscious of the fact that things are not controllable, that they're, they're passing. But we do this with such good qualities of mind being developed that actually the encounter, instead of leading to anxiety, shutdown, uh, cynicism, uh, resentment, indifference, panic, instead of this, it leads to the opening of the heart, to joy, oh, ephemeral flux, passing through, ephemeral encounter, ephemeral movement of generosity, you know, joy, compassion, oh, things falling apart, oh, human experience, how touching is that, universal for all of us, wow, and now it is happening, crumbling, oh, amazing, the heart not closing down, not you know, the heart staying open. So this is this practice that we're doing. It's bringing the most beautiful human qualities to bear witness to the nature of reality, to reality as it is. Not as I would want it to be, but as it really is. Health arising, passing away like the flock of seagull, of uh, geese. youth rising and definitely passing <laughs> and anything else you know luck and beauty and fall and winter <coughs> and the experience of solitude and this experience of connection and the experience of confusion and the experience of clarity all of them rising being fully experienced and then released. Is it uh, Mary Oliver who, s who said, I'm going to paraphrase her, but something like, my job, my job is to love and to let go. Mm -hmm. To love and to learn to let go. Something like this. Mm -hmm. This is my job, is to love the unlovable, to love the dearly adorable, and to learn to let it go, to allow it to come together and to dismantle this. How does that land? How does that? And hopefully bringing us in that field uh, with these qualities that I've been talking about so that it's not like why is he talking about this you know but yeah it's true this is the experience for human beings and so that's what we do when we sit we uh, allow what has come into being we allow it to be we allow it to be fully known consciously known mindful plein conscience in French I like the expression, fully conscious. Fully recognizing the nature of what's there. The beautiful nature of what's there. The difficult nature of what's there. And the alive, passing nature of what's there. Questions, comments... experience in the last few months of some of those gaps where this voice stops and there's kind of a feeling of and immediately followed by panic. It's kind of a oh, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I need to open my eyes and uh, and it's like I've lost track of who I am. This voice is saying, okay, th this is me, this is me, yeah. this is me. He stops me and if it stops, then uh, it's a, it's a, and it really is a feeling of, of 
panic, my eyes fly open, and yeah. I really yeah. do. Yeah. So, so if I understand you well, what I want to do is um, become curious about that panic, or notice the panic, Yeah. stay with that panic as kindly as I can. Yeah. Usu- usually it's... Um, it's actually a very uh, wave-like experience, you know, it, the terror itself, mm-hmm. like that moment, it doesn't last very long, yeah. especially that the eyes open and you find yourself, you know, <laughs> you're like, I'm going to find myself, you know, yeah. I'm here, <laughs> like, like, you won't allow it to last very long, you know, at the beginning, but maybe you'll get acquainted with it, and so, yeah, so I was, yeah, so the loss of identity with the, the, the uh, quietening of the voice, or sudden quietening of the voice might lead to a, a sense of like, who am I then? You know, or I'm disappearing, or like, and I won't allow that. Also, often, you know, and so in the teaching, it's very much there. It's actually called terror. It's one stage of insight that is called terror. And I remember sometimes reporting to my Burmese teacher, one of my Burmese teacher, and you would say, like, was it like real, like terror, and that, or were you just afraid? And I was like. Well, it was pretty terrorizing. Good, 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 good. It'll come again. Don't worry. <laughs> but also, at some point, you know, it's because it's an experience that is unknown, and so it's terrifying. And there's a moment where actually the mind turns a bit. It's like, I actually want to see it, because I've noticed that I don't disappear. <laughs> and it feels like I, dis- like I might. It, this is conceptual. You know, the disappearing idea is an idea. The experience you see is that you don't. Nobody has ever disappeared when the mind has stopped. (laughs) (laughs) But with the idea, and so that's the the problem with ideas, you know, is that we believe in them, you know, and so, and they will keep us from a certain freedom. If we buy into it, we'll stay very busy. And so in this practice, we're actually um, getting acquainted with that very slowly. It might come with like, oh my God! And you know, you can always open the eyes. Usually opening the eyes in meditation solves about 90% of the <laughs> problems of perceptions and you know it's like oh, I don't feel my body open your eyes and you know and it'll get together and so if that happens then you'll do spontaneously what you do you know like grab the cushion <laughs> or something and then just maybe because there will have been in your conceptual world, it will have been explained by somebody, you'll recognize, oh, that's that very desirable state of terror <laughs> in the opening of the You'll heart. welcome it. <laughs> yeah. It'll go, you know, it'll probably pass. And then you can notice, you know, like uh, for many years at the retreat center in Massachusetts, at this time of year, I would uh, do the night contact, I would be there to take care of, I would be the person available at night. And sometimes people would come like this, knock on the door, and like, oh my God, oh my God. And I would just say, like, can you name things around, you know? And they would say, like, this is a chair. <laughs> what is this? And like, it's a window, it's a window. I said, okay. So, you know, things are, things are functioning in there, you know? And then they would be really reassured. They were like, oh yeah, okay. Okay, what, what is your name? Where do you live? And they would, I'm, I'm, this is my name. I'm from, coming from the... New York, okay, so you know. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, oh, I know, I know everything. <laughs> I haven't lost anything, you know. And, uh, yeah. Because there is sometimes even that feeling of loss of boundaries. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the classic ones. Like somebody will be sitting in meditation and then the habitual perception of separation, even physically, will become not so clear, you know. So it's like the dropping of it. Like now you might feel your hands and have an image of your hands. But if you drop the image for a few seconds, then what's there is a field of... You don't actually... You might not feel exactly the hand. You, you feel a, a field of tingling, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it might not be that clear. So when the conceptual world becomes a little bit less, you know, like my hand, my body sitting, you know, the visuals of it disappear, sometimes... There's this sense like, oh my God, I'm boundless, you know. Opening the eyes, usually we notice, you know, the the visceral field is pretty defined, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the ways that this happens. But it's just an alteration of perception. Actually, there's nothing except the understanding that changed. The rest, the heartbeats, the lungs, nobody has ever disappeared. It just doesn't happen. (laughs) People wish, you know, sometimes they like they 
self-hatred, self-loathing will make this. I want to meditate for months so I can disappear, you know. I heard about this non-self, I hate myself so much, I'm all into it. <laughs> Let me get rid of that self. But that's not what we're talking about. The non-anxiety is always falling into terror, right? Like, you've noticed it, I'm feeling a pleasurable sensation. Appreciable, yes. Uh, pleasurable. Yeah, pleasurable. So there's, um, I think it's Ayakema, she was a, a, a nun, a, a monastic, a, a German uh, uh, practitioner. She lived in Sri Lanka for many years. Maybe you know of her. You can listen to her on, online, you know, or read her books. She's, she's great. Uh, Ayakema. And uh, I think it's her, if I'm not mistaken, but she, her path was really beautiful. It's what I'm talking about. She would develop so much uh, benevolence and joy in the mind that when the boundaries would uh, dissolve, there would be no terror. Like, why? You're in a field of love. It feels pretty good, <laughs> you know, to dissolve in the field of love, you know. But for most of us, we actually don't dissolve in fields of love, you know. <laughs> That's, it, it's not that. It's always with, it's been a context of like, Worthy, unworthiness, doubt, do I belong or not, you know, so that's the, f the field that many of us inhabit. So when the boundaries get not so clear, this is where we find ourselves, you know. But uh, yeah, there's a kind of path, and that's, that's what I'm talking about. We're doing this progressively, inviting more and more care, more and more compassion and friendliness, so that actually uh, the, you know, the, when the idea of moi falls and there's just hearing, it's actually very beautiful. It's just hearing. It's actually very ordinary. People will describe this also. They'll say, wow, I had the most amazing experience at the same time, actually totally ordinary. Because they don't know it. I mean, it's a good word, ordinary. Because they say, actually, nothing changed. But everything changed. But nothing changed. Like, I, I, you know, there was not a big bang. You know, there was nothing like this. It was just like the humming of the fridge stopping. That's how often how it's described. It's like the busyness, the, the, the suddenly like it stops. You're like, oh my God, this is so ordinary and it's, it's uh, as really the taste of freedom, but very ordinary. You know when the, the fridge stops, you're like, oh, I had not even noticed, but I'm really liberated from that noise now. And so that's maybe a little bit what we're talking about. Yes. It's related, um, I think, in terms of when I'm sitting and there is something either pleasant or unpleasant or terrifying, whatever, but if it's, I'm thinking more about something that feels overwhelming or it's, it's, it's but I want to stay, um, just about moving back and forth, yeah. I guess, from, like, in actually, like, choosing, and if I just... Over my eyes, but you know, but I want to stay to understand it better. But it's almost over, too hard yeah. in some ways. So I'm just asking about. I mean, I've been just choosing to go to yeah, so of course these things I'm talking about, we can't impose this, force this on us, you know. And we have to feel safe enough. So one of the techniques, as you say, it's great, is that you feel what is uncomfortable. Let's say I was talking about the awkwardness. Like it's so, such an awkward silence. Instead of running away in my mind through a fantasy or something, I might actually do it with discernment. Say, it's hard for you, Pascal, to be here. Let's go in fantasy for a few minutes. Let's think of a place where it's good to be, where it feels safe. So I'm resourcing, that's one of the language, that is, the word that is used. Yeah. So it is, it is extremely move, skillful. Move back yeah. and taste it again. And then, you know, feeling safe, feeling, you know, I've seen myself in the, you know, some, some place that feels good. The system has calmed down. Could we come to this room back here and just notice if it's still awkward or not, or oppressive? And oh, it is still, but now I want to feel it because I know I can get out, you know, I can go to sounds maybe of kids playing in the, you know, park. There's other things to be aware of at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. This is extremely skillful way to practice. So otherwise, you know, you go in there and you traumatize yourself. You get stuck again, you know. So there's a way that we can maybe come in and come out. You can also visit an area of the body, as you say, where it's neutral. You know, is it awkward in the knees? Maybe not, you know. And so I can go there and just hang out there a little bit and then come back in the chest area, often where the, the strong emotions are. Can this be suggested for beginners too? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I teach to beginners, I often will say, so we're sitting, you're not stuck there in the posture. I say that all the time now, so people don't feel like I have to stay there. If it's difficult, somehow if you want to, open the eyes. Uh, bring your legs like this, you know, so you'll, you won't feel like you're stuck in this thing and everybody until the bell rings and I actually don't know when or how long it's, you know. It's like open the eyes, look out, you know. And using an invitational language is always well, you know, helpful. If you want to, come feel the breath, you know. If you don't want to, feel something else, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's very important for us as practitioners to be independent in this way, to trust that I'm not st stuck with any instructions given to me by a teacher. You know, it's, it's very important to know that. It's hard sometimes because we want to be the good, you know, student. And, uh, or we don't know that we actually have instinct, you know, and uh, intuition about what is possible or not. Remember you saying once that you, um, if I remember correctly, you'd go inside and there would be like an egg and you would hide inside <laughs> an egg or something like that. Do you have standard places that you go to, did you say a resource? Resource, yeah. Resource, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, wherever it's not uh, difficult or unpleasant is a good place. It could be pleasant, or sometimes there's nothing pleasant available, then neutral is really good, you know? So where there's not the activation. So if I'm in strong anxiety, I could, and it's hard to remember, you know, where in my body, because there's this vortex-like energy, it wants to suck me in, you know? So it takes time to actually develop that reflex or that capacity to think, oh, hold on, there's some, there must be something else happening. So often what I'll do for myself is I'll coach myself. So the voice will come in and it'll say, that's, that's pretty much always the sentence, what else is happening, Pascal? You know, you're really upset about this. You can't believe this person said that and you don't know what to do and you're really upset. What else is happening? And then I go, oh, feet are cold. This is also part of reality. You know? Feet are cold. Or there's a bus or some things passing through. Or one way to do this is to open the eyes and look for something appeasing. That's one way to resource. So like the green behind you, for some reason, I don't have to explain it. Or It's just when I look at the green behind us, there's something... It's very slight, it's subtle, it's not like, oh, my whole system goes like this, but there's a little something safe or reassuring in this green, you know, maybe because it relates to nature in some way. I don't know, but, so I can do that. The, the wood on the floor, you know. So to remember to do this is not easy, but that's really uh, inviting. Is it always in the world of sensation, or do you ever imagine yourself with a particular person? Yeah, or? the egg that you say, it's, I had this image, like when something was difficult, I've, like the image that would come to mind was I, I'm in a, cap, in a cave, and it's dark, and, I, and it's cold, and it's humid, and, and then, you know, I would, suddenly I would say, oh, but there's a little, uh, or knee, like a little uh, nest, it's also like the rest, like very dark and cold and this and that. But there's a little white egg in, in there. You know, this it's kind of life. It's a symbol. So it's inwards. I was like, oh, there's the egg there. It's quiet in there. It's, it's uh, something. You know, I don't know. It works for me. It worked. These things, often they work for a little while. <laughs> and then they don't. Yes? Um, so I was just on there. Remember sitting there um, and 
having sort of a moment where I thought, in respect to the voices, like, oh my gosh, like, do I have a multiple personality disorder? <laughs> because what I noticed was it wasn't just a singular narrative voice. There were multiple voices in there. The Debating. Yeah. The, the evaluator, the, the caregiver, the motivator. And it was interesting just for me to notice the, the duality of voices that would play out even in in a moment of a time where I was feeling more spaces than I yeah. expected. If anything, just to recognize that has been in, in, a, in a way apparently quite um, freeing. Or uh, I can bring more compassion to those voices now. Um, now that there's just a little bit more space, but it was just quite telling. So even the tones. Of the, of the voices within the experience changed too. Some of them were very soft, or some of them were very subtly sarcastic, or mean, or, yeah. or nasty. So yeah. it was just interesting to kind of play with multiple personality that I yeah. used to have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not, I don't think you're alone. <laughs> I think there's a lot of us, if you consider <laughs> all the personalities we have in us. Yeah, beautiful. And to become aware of them instead of just entranced, you know, and following and believing. It's like, oh, of course, there's this voice that is demeaning, you know, that's what it does, it's its function. Thank you, honey. Yeah. Of course you came in to diminish everything. <laughs> that's your job. <laughs> you know, in this movie, uh, there's a Walt Disney, I don't know if it's Pixar or Walt Disney, oh, there, the emotions are inside, you know. And so that's, yeah, so, excellent. And so, uh, yeah, like this. And you can lear- learn to nurture some and, you know, have some as ally, you know. Mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes they're, wel- you know, different times, different voices are welcomed. And, yeah. So shall we just take a few minutes of uh, just silence and... Uh, being together, all of us. <laughs> Maybe we'll do this just for five minutes or so here. Just allow the words to dissipate and the presence to be invited in to feel what is here. See if it can be allowed and can be known. In this practice, we don't go digging, we don't go looking for stuff. We just allow the clock to tick if that's what's there, the body to breathe if that's what's known. might notice the tone in there, if it's tender or friendly, benevolent, or frustrated, or bothered in some way, whatever is there, you can become conscious of this, it might not be a voice, it might be more like a mood. quiet.
you uh, want to feel something else, become aware of this. If you want to experience something else, be somewhere else, be somebody else, or have a different inner experience, become aware of that. Or if you don't want to feel what's there, also become really conscious of that. This is how it is. You don't have to change it, but at least be conscious of it instead of just believing that. There's resistance in here, or desire in here. Or maybe there's the absence of aversion and desire, that you're quite simply meeting what is there, pleasant or not. Notice how it feels to allow what is there to be there, if it's the case. you open your eyes you don't have to but I'll tell you a last little story I think that's a couple of years ago I was at um, an evening of teaching like this one I was not teaching there was another teacher Gavin Harrison his name is in California and there was a big crowd, like maybe 200 people. And there was an exchange like we just did, and somebody uh, put their hands up. Uh, it was a young person. And they said, uh, they started to describe their practice, and a lot of uh, distress, it seemed like. Maybe not distress, but uh, self-loathing. Like, I can't do this, I tried that, it doesn't work. And the whole tone was... Uh, kind of heavy on oneself, you know, you could, you could feel that. And uh, Gavin was very interesting, he was li listening to this person very very attentively, very caringly, and uh, being who he is, he, uh, at some point he just stood, stood up and went in the crowd to sit with the person, you know. He sat like right in front, took his hand and then asked a few questions about the practice as if it was like a very personal encounter. And this young person was answering the best they could, but there was confusion and shame mixed in there. And, and uh, I thought it was very beautiful because uh, there was like 200 people were really listening in very, very closely, finding this uh, young person so beautiful, you know, in, the, in their earnestness, uh, in their honesty, you know, in their... There's so much beauty there. And at the end of the exchange, uh, Gavin said, he said a few things, but then at the end he said, sometimes we're the last one to discover that we're lovely. Sometimes we're the last one to know that we're lovely. And it felt like it was an exact description of what was happening. There was 200 people completely seeing the loveliness of this young person who was not uh, seeing their own loveliness you know. and then he said that sometimes we're the last one to discover that we're lovely like almost as if he was describing the path you know and at some point you will come to that conclusion 
everybody around will know but you will discover this and when when you discover this for yourself that's going to be good you know? and I thought wow you really help this person along you know like my sense is that's going to leave a strong impression you know it's going to be hard to not go in that direction you know So thank you so much for coming, sharing the Dharma and uh, your thoughts. And uh, I think I'm coming next week. Yes. yes. <laughs> and maybe you are too. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.